Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft. And I know we've used the emergency tag a few times in the past couple of years. I don't know if we want to attach that to this one, but we are coming to you on Ash Wednesday, and I'm here with Mr. Casual Hoya himself, Andrew Geiger. Georgetown does play in a couple hours in Seton Hall. That's not really of consequence at the moment. Andrew, let me just go over what happened today real quick. So Georgetown obviously is nearing the end of a very, very difficult season. They're on an 18-game losing streak. They're 0-17 in the Big East. And Georgetown today released a statement from Athletic Director Lee Reed. Uh, actually, you know what? Before I start reading that, how are you doing? I don't think you need to go over everything. I think okay. what happened what happened today was just a, a mind-numbing disdain for the fans. Um, and the belief of the fans. I mean, obviously, I don't speak for every fan because uh, that would be impossible. And Patrick Ewing certainly has his supporters. And, you know, there's some people that would want him to be the coach of Georgetown forever. Uh, but unfortunately, the results speak for themselves. And I think it's clear that the fans um, not, not are just advocating change, but need change, not because of um, – you know, their own self-interest, but because they care about the program and the future of the program. And what happened today uh, is just insulting. It's embarrassing. I think the statement was embarrassing. I don't think Lee Reed wrote that statement. I I don't know who made him put his name on it. Um, You know, but to put something like that out there now, um, you know, with the incorrect date and, and all that nonsense, it's just so... It's just a slap in the face is what it is. And I think you're seeing on social media that fans have just had enough. They've had enough uh, of this whole, just the way Georgetown does things. Um, And, you know, if it's not going to change now, I'm I'm not sure if it ever will. Okay. So, yes, a lot lot to unpack there. I will just say that the statement did come out as – You know, I think a lot of different outlets have been pressing Georgetown for some sort of a statement of acknowledgement, you know, during what's one of the worst, you know, one of the worst seasons they've clearly ever had since they've become a power program. Obviously, they were really bad before John Thompson got there, 71-72, but that's 50 years ago. It might as well be like 150 years ago based on where Georgetown is um, in the national landscape of, you know, major college athletics, particularly in basketball. So I think a couple things that's interesting for people is, is that, you know, this was something that I think that they had to send out. Um, I know myself, particularly, I was interested in something from either Lee Reed or the president DeJoya uh, had no idea if that was going to happen. 
But when I look at this statement, I don't really see a whole lot of there there. And I know I pointed out on Twitter, you know, in 2004, DeJoya put out something, you know, I wouldn't say similar, but he put out something and then Eshrick went away. In 2017, Lee Reed put out something. A couple weeks later, a couple weeks later, John Thompson III went away. So from that angle, I feel like it was just something they had to do. I don't think it necessarily mm-hmm. means a whole lot. Do you see any part of that from my side, or do you see a difference? I, I, I do, but I think the difference here is that we're talking about Patrick Ewing here. Um, to, to release a statement like this, let's say, you know, March 2nd, March 3rd, whatever day it is today, um, and then do something like fire him a week from today is very different when you're dealing with Patrick Ewing versus someone like Craig Eshrick. What I do think this statement allows Ewing to do is perhaps step down and make it look better uh, because now he can say that he has the backing of the university. You know, it's not like a Mullen situation at St. John's where it was abundantly clear that if he didn't step down, that the university was going to take some action. Um, Here, the university is kind of removing itself from the equation. So if Ewing wants to resign, um, it's his own volition, you know? Uh, And frankly, I think that's that's the best way to do it. If if he was going to do it, it would this is the best way to to kind of carve that path. Um, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, if we will, they have a game in a couple hours. Um, you know, one of the, the reasons I wanted to talk to Lee Reed or to join, and by the way, a lot of outlets put out, um, you know, reactions to this. Uh, I'm credited at the bottom. I didn't, I'm not the main writer, but we did work on something at the Associated Press, which is, which is where I do a lot of work if people have been noticing. But one of the things that I wanted that did not get answered is, you know, what are the goals and expectations of this program? Because that's something that we've heard a lot. We've heard, you know, we heard it when Eshrick went away. Um, You know, we heard it when Patrick Ewing was introduced, you know, uh, you know, this expectation that they will be nationally relevant, nationally competitive. You know, those are, those are things that haven't happened. And, if Patrick Ewing does come back, what I don't understand is, and what I would like to know is what are the goals and expectations? Because if he comes back, Andrew, it's going to be harder to have a worse season than this. So basically anything that happens next year is going to be seen as improvement. And is that where Georgetown basketball is? The whole essence of the statement's absurd that we are committed to Ewing and, you know, reevaluating whatever it needs to be to make this a successful program again. Well, okay. Assuming that means that's reshuffling the staff, right? Just cleaning house from, from all the assistants to, to whatever. What assistant coach in the country that's out there right now is going to want to come to Georgetown? What assistant coach is going to want to come for a, uh, a tenure that might last one more year? I mean, you're right. Let's say they win four or five games in Big East next season. Okay. I mean, he's still going to be reevaluated. It's still, yes, it's improvement, but it's still a disaster. I mean, this is Georgetown. You're not going to, no top level assistant is going to come to Ewing staff. That leaves, who, who does it leave? Stan Van Gundy? I mean, you're going to get a bunch of, you know, Ewing loyalist retreads who are going to come to serve on staff for what they know is a one year, two year solution at best. It's just such a, a short-sighted and unrealistic outlook as to 
you know, what can happen to the program and, and just the college landscape as a whole it just doesn't, doesn't work. So you can tell, you like, can tell I'm a little bit angry about this whole thing. Well, if you're on Twitter for more than five seconds, I think you could see that's the way it kind of, it kind of went over. It looks like we have Philly Hoyas has, has entered the chat as the kids say, Philly, um, are you there? Yeah. Hi, Bobby. Hi, Andrew. Good to have, uh, good to be here. I wish you were better circumstances. Um, and that's, you know, it's funny. It's like, it's, you know, we, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, obviously, you know, the, the better circumstances. It's not like anything really happened bad today other than a complete, it seems like to me, just a slap in the face by the powers that be to the fans. Right. And, and at the end of the day, we are all fans. Um, and if the, if the fans feel this way about the school committing to its head coach for another year, I think it's abundantly clear that it was the wrong move. Uh, I mean, how, many, I can... how many people are tweeting uh, that, that you see that, okay, this is it for me, right? I'm not giving another dime to the school. I'm not ruining my ticket. Blah, blah, blah. That's horrible. Like, th- that, we should never be where we're at right now. And it's just such, such a simple fix. Yeah, I, I would say this is becoming harder search. than it needs to be. Um, and so, like, there's there's three little little graphs here. The second graph, I think, a really odd phrasing in the ever evolving landscape of college athletics. Now, I've never been one of those skies falling, you know, Georgetown's going to go Patriot League basketball type of people. But that sentence is a little that or not sentence, but you know, that clause right there, a little bit weird for me, right? Like, is that saying? You know, I don't want to put my tinfoil hat on, but that that leads, I think, open to a lot of interpretation of what is what does that mean? You know, Georgetown just built Thompson Athletic Center. You know, they're in the Big East. They got a nice TV contract. Blah blah blah. The ever evolving landscape of college athletics. I could see if you have an FBS football team, you write that because you don't know what conference you're in day to day. Am I am I the only one that's kind of read into that? Like, uh, what's that? So the whole thing. So my thoughts, weird. my thoughts there are, are the the two biggest things going on in college basketball right now are the transfer transfer portal and NIL, mm-hmm. and it, it it's pretty clear that you know we've been on the wrong side of the transfer portal for for quite a bit now, and uh, you know even uh, with this Trey King recently the addition that just didn't pan out. Uh, you know the goal is going to have to be you know Patrick Ewing has to add big time transfers to get this team to where it needs to be. And the other aspect is, is NIL. And we just haven't, you know, the school has not excelled at that uh, in the way it, it could, uh, you know, with president DeJoya as the head of the NCAA uh, board of directors, council of directors, whatever it is, we should have had a heads up on this and we should have been leading the way on NIL. So the ever evolving landscape of college athletics, two key areas where I think Georgetown should have been leading and supporting Coach Ewing, they've totally let him down, unfortunately. And and to just jump on that, the NIL point is, is a great one. And who ultimately is behind making sure that the school has a successful NIL program? It's the alumni, right? A strong alum, alumni base that's willing and able to financially support the program and the players and, and do whatever they want to do. I, today, I think you just cut the legs out from whatever was still there. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. 
And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Philly, before you got on, Andrew and I were talking a little bit about, you know, Lee Reed putting this out. You guys are both Georgetown alums. I'm not an alum. I've been part of the Hoya Hoop Club at points in my life. Well, I guess I still am as my son's in the, the, kids, the kids club. But that's obviously a very, very small, small level. It seems like what happened last time is that DeJoya and Reed wanted to keep JT3 and the board kind of said enough is enough. And it happened a couple se- couple weeks after the season was over. Peak went pro. Waters wasn't coming. Trey Morning was, you know, possibly transferring. And all of a sudden, you know, they acted. They didn't feel like they had a roster. Is that still the setup at Georgetown as 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 we far as, as far as we know? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll take this one. Uh, it, it is not. Uh, so from what I understand, there just isn't that internal pressure at the school to the degree that it was back then for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the just the board itself is, is different, um, comprised of different members uh, with different loyalties. Um, the situation surrounding Joya himself are different, um, and you know, just it's, I guess the bottom line is those calling the shots are just in a, in a different place right now. Anything from Philadelphia there? Yeah, I, I the only thing I've heard is that. Uh, you know, Paul Tagliabue, who was very involved in at least the, the process of the of hiring Hewing last time, um, is probably uh, aged himself out of the process of of replacing Hewing at this point. And um, yeah, I think it's just it feels different. Everything feels different. So Andrew, originally we were going to record this earlier today, and if we did, it basically would have been complete bullshit because this came out later and everything we talked about would, it would have been really silly but I did want to get your sense for what was going on as you know being in charge of casual Hoya I know you put a poll up yesterday with some options and just you know what's been you know I, I know people come at you what what's been your temperature of everything as far as you know there's all these re- these letter writing campaigns you know I mean um, just what's your sense of Georgetown fan base <laughs> it's funny because there's as Philly knows, we are a pretty good letter tomorrow. I mean, we still will. Um, but the uh, the voice of the fans is clear to me. I mean, that that poll, poll on Twitter, what does it really mean? But it has over a thousand votes in it, so you get a pretty decent gauge of what's going on. And it was basically 80% wanted a uh, versus 20% who hey, Andrew, would have been satisfied sorry to with. I don't know if you moved or anything, but if you could go back to where you were a couple minutes ago, as far as location, it seems like you're going in and How's out. That? How's That's that? good. Okay. Um, so I don't know what he said, but what I or what you heard, but basically the Twitter poll, which had over a thousand votes, was eighty percent, twenty percent in favor of a new coach and new staff versus a, the same coach and a new staff, um, which it looks like is the direction that the school chose. Um, so or has chosen for now. Uh, so I don't think everyone is is obviously pleased about that. Um, so the, the the tone since since you asked or or basically what the 
what the fans are feeling is that basically they, they want everything new, new culture, new everything. And it um, doesn't look like we're going to get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing uh, directly a lot of the same things. Um, you know, I, I started writing with, with Casual Hoya because I was, you know, doing some research and stuff for my father, who was, you know, class of 71. And uh, he's since passed. And I have a lot of his buddies emailing me pretty much nonstop uh, and texting. And there's a lot more curse words in it than there usually are. Uh, these these guys uh, are are really pissed and really upset and don't understand. Um, and they're uh, they're mentioning you know that, that heads might roll even higher than than Hewing, um, you know, in, in the direction of the president and athletic director. Um, but I don't know how much there is to it. They want they want a lot of new direction and and they're they're not happy. Um, my peers are are a little less. Uh, angry but I, I do think there's there's a building momentum there yeah i mean bobby you were at the yukon game um which was senior day and typically that would be a you know a, a decent sized home crowd coming to pay tribute to the seniors uh why don't you describe the atmosphere in there uh a little bit more fans than average for this season, which obviously is a very different season than, you know, I've been going to games, you know, shoot 30 years now, I guess pretty consistently, but yeah, it it was, was, I guess I just try and compare it to 2017, that Villanova game. I looked up the attendance just because I knew it was going to be a lot bigger. So it got listed as 7,000 on Sunday against Connecticut. I'm saying a good amount of those fans were UConn fans and, you know, I always look back at my old section, which was 111. Uh, I was think I was up in, yeah, I was up near up near the top of 111, which is right at midcourt. There's just not a lot of people going to games. And, you know, it's too bad for Carrie. It's too bad for Caden Rice. But you didn't, there was a couple, a couple, you know, random, you know, people yelling certain things, but not enough. There, you know, there, there was no coordinated cheers or anything like that. And, uh, I think apathy has definitely set in, you know, as far as this season for when I saw the home crowd. And that's kind of the first thing that I wonder is unless there's a change made and that they play a lot of games at McDonough, I don't know the finances obviously of a private university and the rent of capital one and all those things, but attendance has been bleak this year. Grim, I think is the word I've used a lot. And I just, I just wonder how much that factors into things or is it like, is it like everything else in college athletics and just matters about the Fox sports deal because the home crowds haven't been good. And, you know, I think we all sort of remember how things used to be. I think back to when I was uh, a season ticket holder. And even when I first started doing this for one Oh six, seven, it's just night and day. Right. And I get that the conference has changed, but Georgetown is the biggest part of that. They've changed. They're, they're just not in the mix. And I just, I'm, I'm surprised that that, isn't a bigger factor, at least what I hear from anybody. Yeah, and I, I don't know how much the school even even really cares at this point. Um, and that that's the biggest thing that, that bothers me. I mean, I don't know how the school even prioritizes the basketball program, um, you know, and it's on a to-do list of, of things to make better, um, which is annoying. And, and to think about attendance, I mean, yeah, how does it change? How does it change next season all of a sudden? Well, we, we unless, had COVID. Unless, is, is you, 
okay, everyone, but everyone's dealt with COVID. Everyone's dealt right. with COVID. Everyone's dealt, dealt yeah. with the same thing. So all, all of that is is equal across the college basketball, the ever evolving college basketball oh, landscape, oh, right? Oh, I I don't but, I can't <laughs> agree with that entirely. I mean, you you know, DC and Georgetown bureaucrats, they love to have you know more specific rules. You know, the security is going to be a whole lot more. The actual checking of the cards. So there there is a something to it there. But now, you know, for, for this weekend, for this past weekend, I, I'm with you. You know, I don't want to declare COVID dead and over yet, but, uh, you know, that's not the excuse. And Georgetown can't use that as an excuse for why attendance is so poor. And, and, and looking forward, so what do you mm-hmm. do to change it? And so if, if Ewing is indeed the head coach next season, a, a new a group of assistant coaches isn't going to put butts in the seat, right? Um, I guess what Ewing's return probably means is that Aminu Muhammad stays, I, I guess. Um, I, I, I would not assume uh, that. Who man. knows? Uh, who, would, <laughs> who knows, given what's going on with that? Who knows? But assuming Muhammad stays, okay, that's good. Um, you know, I doubt it's going to be as much, you know, roster, roster attrition as there has been in, in years past. Got a couple decent recruits, nothing flashy. I mean, I, I guess Ewing would have to go out and really land some sort of big fish grad transfer out there to even make us competitive again. Uh, but what you alluded to earlier, Bobby, is right. I mean, so what? Let's, uh, we win four or five games next season in conference. I mean, so what? This is suddenly the, the new normal for Georgetown basketball. Yeah, and, and that's why I would like at some point, maybe I'll get the chance to ask Lee. You know, I don't think I'm ever going to talk to DeJoy. I think it's going to be a statement. But, you know, Georgetown basically has had five years now of not being in the mix at all for an at-large berth, which brings me to the third graph in the statement is I can't believe they included last year's Big East tournament in this release because that's basically admitting we know there's literally nothing else. And... I would think that the goals of Georgetown men's basketball, the way it's funded would be if you don't make the tournament every year, you're making it three out of four years, three out of five. And they haven't even been on the bubble yet. And the year they made the NIT, that was probably lucky. If you look at their actual metrics and their Ken Palm and all that stuff, they, they weren't really one of those teams. So that to me is the biggest thing. And it goes back to if, if Ewing stays, if they're keeping him, what would next year have to be in order for him to keep going? Which is why at the time for JT3, it was like, well, look, look at the roster. He just lost Waters. Peak's gone pro. It seemed to me like the board said, look, we got to we gotta try and, you know, get back on track. But at that point, you know, that team had been on the bubble in February. You know, that team had a win over Oregon. You know, that team at one point was, I think, five and six in the league or something like that. So I just don't understand what the goals are. And if they've changed, I think it's important everyone knows that. Well, I think, you know, the purpose of putting that in, we are the defending biggest tournament champions, right? Sure. <laughs> you're sure. right. It's the only, it's the, it is literally the only thing they can hang their hat on. It's the only reason you can release a statement like you did today and have it have any backbone. I mean, otherwise, you, there, there's – put it this way. If, if there's any other coach in the universe that had this record at Georgetown, would he be returning next year? No. No chance, right? But because it's Patrick Ewing, things are different. And we knew this 
the day he was hired that things would be different and that he'd get a little bit more leeway. And unfortunately, I, I, it's, it's, it's decimating the program. I mean, what, what can you do? And it's only going to make it even worse if he doesn't step down because the next statement, unfortunately, unless he does step down, is going to alienate not just the fan base, but possibly the greatest player that ever put on the Georgetown uniform. And I'll, I'll just say this. I don't know if I've said this to you guys. We have private talks, obviously, not just on award-winning Kente Corner. I've viewed Ewing as this losing streak has gone on. And as you guys know, I went up to Villanova and tried to just watch him. And in compiling a lot of the information about what happened in 04, what happened in 17, watching Ewing's introductory you know, press conference after he was hired, I have been seeing him more as a sympathetic figure in that it was clear college basketball was never something he was interested in coaching, but he got the call from his guy, the guy, and he had to take it, you know? And I think when you watch that opening press conference again, which by the way, it's awesome to see Ben Standing say he's from SB nation, Mr. Big time athletic now, but you know, he said, you know, I think he answers a question. I think it's from the Washington post. Like this is the only place I would have considered. This is the only call I would have taken. You know, that's, those aren't really things that you say. You don't hear coaches say that a lot. You know, usually a guy gets a job and it's something that they really, really wanted and they've been working really hard for it. And not to say he wasn't working hard as an NBA assistant, but I don't think he was ever working hard to be an M- to be a college coach. So I've been seeing him more and more sympathetic, sympathetic through that lens. But again, I just don't know. I just don't know what you can hang your hat on going forward if the goal is to be a nationally relevant program. Look, he tried, right? He tried. He, he, he yeah, I, I, he absolutely time. tried. He when, coaches. When, he coaches his ass off yeah. on the sideline. He tries he, to do what he does. It just it's not working. Absolutely. Absolutely. And everyone will give him credit for that, right? But now is the time to step away because it's only going to get worse. This whole, you know, we're going to tinker with this and that and, and expect different results on the floor, it's just not going to work. It, it, it's, it's just, it's just not going to work out. And I think he needs to or someone needs to get in his ear and, and really make that, you know, a point of emphasis. Uh, because I worry from my vantage point, again, what's not just going to happen to the program, what's what's going to happen to him vis-a-vis the program, and no one wants to see that. What's going to happen to the law? I mean, there's always lunch documentation. That never dies. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows? But... All I do know is that I actually have to run, uh, but we can obviously continue this conversation. We've got a couple more games. I, I don't think that we're going to get a W. Um, I, I will point out that a lot of people have texted me saying, you know, they're at a really weird point in their Georgetown fan viewing experience where they're almost like rooting for a loss, which is weird. Um, weird in the sense that I, I completely understand it, you know, like, like you want the team to, to win a game. Um, but it's almost like you want the losses to happen because maybe that would effectuate the change that you want to see happen. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just, it's a whole weird, it's a whole weird spot being a Georgetown fan right now. I, I get people messaging me that as well. And I keep going back to what are the program expectations? If you think 
two and seventeen is demonstrably different than zero and nine, zero and nineteen. You know what I mean? Like, like where the program is, I think that I would re- I would recommend Georgetown fans root for them to win so they can avoid going zero for. So Don Carey doesn't have to be part of an 0-19 team, all that kind of stuff. I'll say this. I had people yeah. reaching out to me like that I haven't talked to in a long time because they know how involved I've been with Georgetown basketball my basically entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of interesting, uh, the messages I was getting from people that I was like, oh, wow, thanks for thinking of me. Yeah, um, but obviously, right, it comes, it comes down to the players. I mean, no one wants to see the players go through this and – you know, hopefully they can win one of the next two or win a game in the garden or, or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, but anyway, I, I do have to run fellas. So, so Andrew's uh, got to go, Andrew. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Philly, is there anything we need to add to this or are you ready to wrap it up as well? Yeah, I, I'll give you a little bit more perspective because I, I think, you know, Lee Reed tweets winning is fun. That's his hashtag. And, and uh-huh. he doesn't, he's not going to be happy with, with five and 15 next year. Um, you know, we, they want to build a program that is comparable to what, you know, soccer has been doing, uh, you know, what lacrosse looks like it's doing, um, you know, my swim team, they, uh, the men's team, they just, you know, won big East, uh, for the first time, you know, and it's, there's some incredible stuff going on with sports wise on the hilltop right now. And it really stinks that basketball is just not a part of that. Um, you know, that Lee Reed is in, you know, leadership positions within the conference. There are, are other coaches that are, are in those positions. Um, you know, obviously, you know, President DeJoya, like I said, on the NCAA, people respect their decision-making. They can build some programs, but right now something's missing from basketball. Um, you know, I have a couple ideas what it is, but uh, yeah, it, it is not a couple of quick tweaks. Patrick Ewing is going to have to come out and say some some really deep, soul searching things for me to uh to get back on board um you know full throated and support this this team like i have been and and you know a lot of my friends and classmates have been um you know i'm rooting for them to win uh, i want them to still win uh the question is you know there there's this twitter discussion right now of is it the chicken or the egg that is is leading these recruits away is it the, the fans that are complaining about it, or is it the actual on-court product that is, is dissuading recruits from coming? And it's probably the latter a whole lot more than it is the discussion around it. But, uh, you know, I don't know how we stop the discussion by having Patrick Ewing march right back out there uh, next year and, and go from from camp to camp and, and practice to practice and, and recruiting gyms and, and still keep that optimism if Georgetown makes the top five for a, a four-star or five-star, um, you know, or whether uh, they need to, to reevaluate their recruiting style too. So there's just a lot that we need to see if Ewing is, is really going to continue this, um, you know, that's going to show me that there's a significant change in direction. Um, and the last thing I want to say is there's got to be a defensive coordinator. Patrick Ewing's defense has not been anything to write home about over these past five years. It has been completely different than, you know, Thompson or even Escherich's. Um, if, if Ewing is part of this Thompson coaching tree, uh, he, they forgot the defensive roots of that. So 
I need to see a significant change on the defensive side before I jump on board. And he's going to have to, to show some real significant coaching changes that are going to uh, enable that. Yeah. Yeah. I think if it's all about changing the assistance, which unfortunately probably should have happened, not all of them, but you know, I think after a after year two, you say, hey, I think we got to try something different. I'm not even smart enough to know which one or what, but it just it seemed like you couldn't keep running the same group back. But that being said, after seeing five years of the same group together and knowing what we know about Louis Orr, particularly with he's got a pretty good foundation in playing zone, and Patrick's teams have been pretty bad man-to-man, particularly in, you know, losing shooters one of the worst three-point defenses consistently is that Mm -hmm. it seems like and this is all just trying to infer speculate it seems like probably not listening to or's you know or at least going in that direction so i'd be interested to know if changing the assistance outside of you know you might find some assistants that are better recruiting but it seems like we've seen enough to know that Patrick's in charge and there seem to do things Patrick's way. And that's, you know, it's one small point, but it does seem like even when Patrick was gone, we saw a little bit of zone. And then in the second game, Louis Orr, we saw probably no zone. You know, why did that happen? So that's just what we have to go off of is what we've seen. I haven't seen where, you know, this idea of bringing a defensive coordinator, I haven't seen where that would be something that would, would, would work, would make sense, would, you know, be appreciated, you know, I don't know, you know, again, you know, like, like, like any problem in life, if you let it go for too long, it becomes kind of a monster and you can't really deal with it, you know, and that's kind of, it's kind of where they are here in a couple different areas. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think you were on yet when we started. I don't think that this statement says a whole lot. I don't think this is an absolute of anything. I think it's just checking a box is something that you do. And now it's out there and it could go a lot of different ways. And real quick, let me just run by you the scenario that I know you've seen. I'm sure it's been on Twitter. It's been online. The worst possible place you can be is kind of what they did with JT3, where you're, everything is reactionary, where they didn't really fire him so much as it just kind of went on and they decided enough was enough. Um, you know, I think if there is to be a change, you wouldn't want to have it to be reactionary to if guys go pro, if guys hit the portal, you don't want that to be the reason. Like, I think it's much more bigger picture, whatever you decide to do. And I don't think it should be dependent. In my view, I thought what happened five years ago was too dependent on a couple circumstances which I don't think is a very big picture for such an organization like that. Like, do you see that as being the worst case scenario that you let circumstances two, three, four weeks after the season dictate what you do? Yeah. At this, at this point, you know, I don't know whether you can wait for X or Y to transfer out or, or Z to go up to the you know, to declare for the NBA um, before you, you, call up Ewing and say, you know, we need to make a, a coaching change. I think at this point you're banking on the fact that you are going to lose three people you know, one way or another. Um, and that's going to open the door for three 
hopefully mega transfers that you can ensnare and, and, and recruit and bring in and, uh, you know, have them fill some holes directly. Um, you know, back to what we were saying with the ever-evolving, uh, you know, collegiate athletes, we have older, so many older players playing right now. Um, transferring out, you know, it, it's just that it's going to be that something that happens, especially with a, a team that is struggling as bad as Georgetown. You have to expect it and, and to be reactionary and be, oh, I'm so surprised that, you know, we lost three to four to five people this year um, as opposed to the five that we lost, you know, in previous years or the three last year or whatever, um, you know, that would just be absurd. Um, you know, this decision, this, this statement has to be made in view of, of an expectation that there's going to be a couple guys, unfortunately, uh, guys that we've probably been attached to and really like uh, that are going to be transferring out. So yeah, you're you're right. If if it is indeed reactionary, if they have a a threshold number in mind where if Hewing loses, um, you know, five or more people, then we're going to pull the plug on this operation. That would just be a, a travesty. Uh, yeah, because that, that that's just behind yeah. the schedule. That's just what it seemed to me like happened last time. Like everything kind of happened in a row, and then it's like, oh hey, we're making a change, and not to pick on Andrew since he's already gone. And I know we're going to get off here in a second. You know, he said something, which I thought was really laughable that, well, I, I think, you know, maybe we can read into this, that Muhammad's coming back. I, I, you know, I've been on record saying, I always felt like he was a one and done one way or the other. And again, I, I don't think any major college program should base big picture items on what happens with a couple guys here or there. You know, if you believe in something and you believe in an idea you go with it. You don't say, well, oh, shoot. Oh, he's coming back. He's coming back. Let's let, let's keep going. Or a couple weeks later, oh, my gosh, three guys, whatever, how many guys have left? Now maybe we should do something. Like you need to make decisions based on a long period of, you know, data points rather than that stuff. And that, to me, is what I felt like was a big mistake in 2017 because it just sort of said like, well, okay, this went, and then this went, and then, okay, now we're going this way. And, you know, you guys have said the board has changed, or Andrew said the board has changed, or however these decisions come about um, are different. But that's just something when I look back at the past, I think, oh, my gosh, how, how would you make decisions this way with, you know, the players that are involved are so young, and they can, you know, they have so many options and, you know, whatever. So uh, other than that, how has your Ash Wednesday been going? Wow, it's <laughs> pretty good. It's certainly been 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 pretty good, but busy. Yeah, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get some pizza because we're not doing meat today. Yeah, yeah. No, my son was very very uh, proud to show me the ashes he got today at school. So it's a big day. It's a big day. Well, look, I'm gonna try and get this edited. Get Kente Corner out there maybe before tip. Although I don't know what my what my duties with the end of dinner here are gonna be like. But we just wanted to get something out there for everyone. I'm glad you could make it, Philly. Actually, have you even been on the pod before? Well, there was there was an incident where uh, <laughs> I was scheduled to, and I didn't quite make it. Okay. But uh, this is okay. this is it. Cool, cool. Well, Andrew's on all the time. We'll definitely get him back. Get you back. I know Nolan was going to try and make it. He couldn't. It was kind of a last second thing. And uh, get this up before the game because it's possible some interesting news comes out afterwards. We might have some quotes from Patrick Ewing as far as, you know, 
what he thinks about all this. Because after the last game, it really felt like the first time I saw him vulnerable as far as, well, I want to come back. I hope to come back. But, I, you know, things happen. It's like, wow, we don't really hear him speak like that. Usually it's we didn't execute and, you know, this, that and the other. And, you know, um, it was definitely a a different tone from him. So thanks, everyone, for listening. You can find us anywhere you get your pods at Bobby Bancroft. Is it at Philly Hoyas or is there something more? That's it. At Philly Hoyas, at Bobby Bancroft. Also known as Whipple on the the blog. Yeah, it's hard to keep track of all these. Thanks for having me on, Bobby. All these aliases and – Send all your complaints to at at Casual Hoya. All your complaints to at Casual Hoya. See ya.